Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. How would you like to turn this panic that we're all experiencing right now into prosperity? In this episode with Gina Paris, who is an art artist, a speaker, and a mindset mentor to high-stress professionals, including many world-class athletes and change makers from around the world, we'll talk about how to unlock your genius through divergent thinking and apply Gina's protocols that explain neuroscience, faith, and creativity in a way that is simple to execute for deep transformation. And of course, we'll learn how to transform your stress into a source of strength and turn your panic into prosperity. I can't wait. Let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. All right. Welcome, Gina. Hi, welcome to you, to my studio. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so beautiful. And and we have some listeners who can't see it, obviously, know, but, but you know, for those that can, beautiful artists you are. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. Well, I got started as a performance and life coach after being a speaker and minister almost my whole life, you know, and then 20 years ago, it was my dream job, dream position, running a youth ministry at a church that I honestly thought I had been born to work at for amazing, amazing lead pastors. And one day I was taking the stage on a Friday night as usual. And I looked at all this auditorium full of teenagers and out of nowhere, I had this panic attack that just had me gasping for air and the, the band was playing their music really loud and all I could hear, I'm looking at the band members and all I can hear is my own heart just pounding in my ears and they're looking at me like, uh, are you okay? You know, and finally I, I ran center stage and welcomed the teenagers and I was, the anxiety subsided, but that fear of the anxiety coming back, which it did week after week. And I plummeted to this anxious and depressed space. And I begged my husband just, Hey, why don't you get a job back home in my hometown in Spokane? Let's just leave. And literally panic and running away became my habits. Terrible. And so I kind of cracked the code in different areas of the panic attacks for, you know, spiritually and energetically and different, different ways. And as I started sharing those techniques about in the last 12 years, I started sharing them and immediately it opened doors for me to start helping thousands of people from professional athletes and high, high powered professionals to work from home moms and stuff. So that's how I got started in that angle. And then just a few years ago, uncovered more of my childhood dreams to integrate the whole artistic aspect to turning panic into prosperity. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, just so we're clear, I mean, you're a high performer. And so for yeah. you to have this panic attack and then go and slip into these yeah. habits of hiding, I mean, that was uh, very uncharacteristic of you. Like what were, what were some of the effects of that in your life? Like what were you faced with? Oh, incredible shame, right? Mm -hmm. To go from most likely to succeed and always being successful. And I, I had first started getting paid to speak as a 16-year-old. So at that point, I was probably 32. And to lose my bearings in every way just felt like a failure. And I just did not know what I know now. And so I developed my catcher, you know, catcher process, because the first thing is to clarify what's really going on. And I had no idea how to do that. So in instead of really leaning in and asking what's happening, hmm, maybe it's because you had a third 
baby and out pop twin babies and you are a little overwhelmed by that. You know, instead of taking yeah. time Giving to process. Compassion. I, exactly. I just went into panic and, and shame. And I didn't know that was my body's way of trying to get my attention. And I didn't know all those techniques. You know, when it, I made it subside by running center stage and screaming at all the kids, welcome, we're so glad you're here. I didn't realize that was one thing that I could always do when starting to feel panicky that I could always just woo, go with it and raise my energy and pretend I'm running or, or something. I just felt like, when's this going to happen again? And oh God, oh God, it'd be horrible. It's the worst thing in the world. It feels dangerous, even though it's not. So it, it just... I feel like it cost years of feeling like I was spinning my my wheels. Even though I was raising the kids and being a great mom, I still felt that shame of I'm really not in fully in my lane. Yeah. Yeah. So this catcher method that yeah. you produ- that you created, yeah. uh, you're saying when we were speaking earlier, you're saying it was kind of inspired by your son. Yeah, is a catcher. Can we go through the rest of the sure the acronym? acronym. Mm-hmm. Sure. So one of my uh, when I had this amazing breakthrough uh, using in that point it was emotional freedom technique, what some people call it tapping or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that gave me just huge breakthrough on a performance anxiety issue. And so my son came home from a baseball game. At that time, he was just in seventh grade and he asked for my help. And I said, well, I just learned this weird thing. (laughs) And so since catchers try to catch the ball and release it really fast, um, I called it catcher. So it's C-A-T-C-H-R for release. And the C is to clarify what's going on. And when you're feeling anxious or panicky, what we're describing can happen in a moment or it can happen over years because your stress response is going to be fight, fight, you know, flight or flee, fight or fight, fight, or fight. freeze. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fight or flight or just freeze. So if you're stuck in a rut forever, that's your freeze response. So that was part of my issue. But C means clarify what's really going on. So you can take a deep breath and instead of fighting it, just clarify it. So that's C. Like, hmm, what's going on? What's this about? What might this be about? It could be a feeling. Well, I feel like my heart's pounding out of my chest. Or it could be deeper. Well, I feel like I might get fired or, you know, so so clarify it. But then A stands for acknowledge and accept it. Because what happens when we feel an uncomfortable state is we just want to fight or flee, of course. And so the opposite is to lean into it and accept it. And so in in the tapping protocol, the setup phrase, I just love it. I use it with all kinds of modalities, which will just have you take that deep breath and tune into how you're feeling and say, even though I'm feeling so anxious, I totally accept myself anyway. So you let yourself acknowledge what your nervous system is saying. Mayday, mayday, this isn't safe, this isn't safe. So when your nervous system hears you acknowledge it, then it's like, oh, okay. I accept myself and all these emotions. So that's A, acknowledge. Uh, C-A-T. T is to give thanks. So you move from that stress to gratitude And so you can thank your body. You can start there. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. Or thank you that I'm safe, even though this feels dangerous. You know, thank you that I'm surrounded by people that I love. Thank you uh, for a lot of the athletes, for example. I'd have them start saying, thank you that I'm playing the sport I love. Thank you that I have teammates I love. But anything you can do that move you to thankfulness that's going to shift your your energy and your chemistry to be more empowered. But it's it's good to do that after you've acknowledged mm-hmm. what's happening. Otherwise, you can still stay where your nervous system is like, you're not paying attention to me. Right. <laughs> so we want to acknowledge and then give thanks. C-A-T-C. 
Oh, change. So that second C stands for change or challenge, you know, anything about your trigger, like, and, and what you're believing about it, like, hmm, if it's a memory, because usually there's some kind of image, like, or a memory, somebody's words. So change it, change the memory, change the memory to a big cartoon, change the voice of whoever was yelling at you. With one of, one of my clients, he remembered his, his coach telling him, he brought him in all by himself to the office to say, bringing you here was a big mistake. You're nothing but a mistake. Well, you can imagine how that would affect this mm-hmm. student. He's always been the star, the best in the whole state. And so we changed that memory, even while tapping on these, you know, targets under his eye and his, over his heart. And he changed it. Like he'd picture his coach, like a little bitty mouse yelling at him. You're just a mistake. It is a mistake and, and change it to a cartoon or we'd play it really slow. You're a mistake. So, so that that memory gets lodged out of what's really a hologram. When we face a, a trauma and whether it's big or, or seemingly small like that, your brain makes this little 11 second hologram memory of it. So when you can change it and distort it, super powerful. So that is C. So clarify, accept, um, give thanks, change it. And then H is help somebody else. And so even if you're just picturing yourself helping someone, being on the other side of this trial, helping someone and being an encouragement, it makes you powerful. And then, of course, the the faster you can do that in real life, just tell somebody, no, I've been through it. You will get through this. You're going to be okay. It it confirms to your brain, oh, yeah, I'm on the other side of this. So then R, of course, is release. So catch and release and or even replace. You can replace it with something more empowering. So it's pretty fun to know that we can do that when we're faced with all kinds of stress. And so, like I said, that can happen. You know, right now, my city has had lots of people killed in a tornado recently. And, and now all the schools are shutting for, for a coronavirus and there's just so much stress. And so it's really helpful when people, they take those deep breaths and they acknowledge what's happening and they, they make the choice and they can release that fear and make a choice. Hmm. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to choose to do it in faith. You know, if, I said, if you feel like you, you have the confidence to go to that meeting and some people don't, do it in faith. You know, if you can connect your faith, your confidence with washing your hands, wash your hands in faith and say, I'm, and stay thankful. Thank, thank you that I can wash my hands and my body's healthy. Thank you that that I can get on this airplane in confidence and I'm connecting my faith to the fact that I'm feeling confident in this. Mm-hmm. So whatever we do, we want our actions to be based in, in faith and love instead of fear. So, right. yeah, that is such an important point. It's like examining right. why you're making a particular choice, yes. whether, you know, this particular situation that's going on right now in the world, someone could be listening to this episode, like much later, yeah. but it could be, I mean, examining your choices in every moment, this, if anything, this situation that we're faced with now right. is a good chance for us to learn from it. Because there is a tremendous amount of fear coming from all angles. Yes. Amplified, right? In the media. And I mean, you hear reports of people going to the store and it's like, why are you making that particular purchase? You know, are you doing it out of fear or faith, you know, or or anything in, in business, right? It's like, why am I taking this particular action? Is it because I'm trying to cover my rear end yeah. and that's like a fear type of thing. Yeah. Or is it, you know, out of faith, you know? Mm. So yes. Or is it out of love? Cause we know this will be best for yeah. our clients. Correct. You know? Right. Yeah. So yeah. true. You know, when people are afraid, they're easier to control. And so as those of us in business, we should be, have be the most objective <laughs> 
when we're looking at media frenzy, which in a way is marketing, like, come on, you guys, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, they say in media. So come on, let's, we should be the most astute to say, hmm, is there maybe (laughs) some economic drivers to this fear that's being pushed on me? And do I really want to just go along with that crowd? Or do I want to think what's, what's wise? What, what's wisdom saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can create your own reality and, yes. um, you know, and, and what's the saying, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Absolutely. And, you know, how do you react to the situation? Sure. You want to, you know, protect yourself, but it's yeah. not like, it, it's like every other day. Why do we wash yeah. our hands yeah. before we eat? It's like every other day. It's just like, let's examine our overall hygiene practices. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Whether the, the scare at hand is that there's no shortage of things that can come against us. So. Right. right. Exactly. I mean, you really look at statistics. It's like, you're more likely to fall to one of those than this. So right. it's keeping things in perspective too, I think. Um, yeah. To and- acknowledge that. So there's a part of us that will always feel guilty if we have a fear or if we're, so the, the beautiful thing is to stop resisting and just give yourself a, a, a moment to acknowledge it and say, it's okay. Right. I totally accept myself in all these emotions. And, and then you can move forward. I, I think more powerfully than having conflicting beliefs, which is what creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up emotional freedom technique because I hadn't heard about that, um, before probably two and a half, three years ago. And it's been great. It's, it's a great tool to have in your tool belt. So, um, it is strange when you first learn it, right. To be honest, it is, is. but why does it work? What, like, tell us a little bit of the science behind it. Why does it work? Oh yeah, it's interesting. So originally, uh, Gary Craig, who made it popular, learned from somebody who attributes it to traditional Chinese medicine. And so in TCM, the theory is that all the energy in our body flows along meridians. And even though they're invisible, they've been understood empirically for thousands and thousands of years. And so these ones happen to be close enough to the surface of the body that when you focus on that stressful trigger and you tap on these targets, you un- you free up that blocked energy and get back to neutral. So I didn't know if I believed in energy meridians until later when I studied karate and and my sensei was like, Gina, you have to learn them to promote belts. Of course they're real. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But so on the the Western front, um, they've noticed that when you're faced with a stress and your amygdala is flooding your body with cortisol and adrenaline, that it's biological. And for whatever reason, through brain scans and different studies that are actually extremely expensive to do those tests, um, Mm -hmm. because you have to have all kinds of standardized, you know, people to do them. And it's crazy expensive, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But for the ones that they did do, they realized that through the tapping protocol, that the Chemist, blood chemistry and saliva chemistry just totally changed back to neutral and the cells would release that cortisol and, and come back to a state that's much more peaceful. So we're not sure why. There is evidence that just doing deep breathing alone can be equal. So sometimes that works. In my case, I tend to get a little bit distracted. So sometimes I just especially love, love, love the setup phrase. A lot of times if I'm really out of control, I'll still run up to, to my master closet or, or someplace and I'll, I'll say, even though I'm feeling blah, 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 I totally accept myself. And even though I'm afraid of this and this, and even though I can't stand how they screamed at me and cussed me out and that was horrible, you know, I'll just really describe what I felt and, ex- and describe the acceptance and it. Powerful. Well, what's really interesting is you can start out that way, but by the end of your yes. session, will you yes. look back on 
on maybe some of those things that you said earlier and they don't even see true anymore. Exactly. It's like your perspective totally shifted. Your, your body chemistry was able to move through and release those emotions and you look back on it and it's like, I'm seeing this with totally new eyes. Like it's like you're a different person almost. And that's how, you know, it really works, you know, but exactly, you know, getting back to the meridians, you know, Mm -hmm. that I was reading the FDA believe mm-hmm. that's the organization has recognized acupuncture. So acupuncture mm-hmm. works on meridians. Absolutely. So there is definitely something yes. to it. And I mean, oh, this sure. is a medicine that's been around for 5,000 plus yes. years, Yes. you know, emphasis on the plus probably, and, right. you know, everything, everything is energy, you know? So, and by not releasing these emotions, what do we face? We face you know, our energy being drained because it's focusing so much on these, these negative emotions that we're feeling or reacting to our environment. And the more time we spend on that, the less time we can spend on the positive aspects of our life, like growing our business. Um, so I even, it's interesting. I actually had someone tell me about, uh, tapping, that they, and I've tried this, they, they use it not only to release negative emotions, but to mm-hmm. amplify positive, positive. Ones. Yes, I agree. I do too. So like the negative is not even a five on a scale of one to 10. Um, we call that a subjective unit of distress. Um, yeah. Then I'm like, oh, well, then let's just amplify the positive. Yeah. So like when you're doing an affirmation, Mm -hmm. you can really embed it into Mm -hmm. your physiology, just like those negative emotions were embedded, but instead you're choosing the positive, which I think is fabulous. I do too. And I have to go back to something you said, because it ties so great into our pre-recording conversation. So my catcher method is all about creating your peak state, which was a lot of work that I did with athletes and the high performers, you know, all about compete, 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 how to compete. And so my overriding protocol is about uh, a new way to compete, new way to create, and a new way to collaborate for really converging into your best work. And so like you said, you, you hit it perfectly. Why the next most powerful thing to do is, is unlock a new creativity because we all need to unlock our genius again. And so you said you start to see it totally differently, which is so true because we all need this, this new way to see. And so my, my three C um, protocol for convergence, I call it converging up out of that negative state is to compete, create collaborate. So let's talk about create. Can we talk about creativity? Yes. I love talking about creativity because I mean, even if you're not creative, right? Yes. Like you don't think you're creative or artistic. Yes. That's not what That's you mean, lie. right? Yes. yes. Explain that first and then let's okay. go. Let's talk about Okay. That. Oh my gosh. First of all, let's just start with how we see in the first place, because like you made the point, everything is energy. So in perception. And so when we are seeing something, our little eyeballs, they are just taking in information. And on the back of our eyeballs is a hundred million retinal cells. And each cell has its own job. It might be only see every shade of red. It might be catch distance. It might be notice things moving left to right. It might be notice things moving right to left. It's amazing. And so this data that comes in our eyeballs, it goes through these cells and it becomes energy. And then that energy gets filtered through our our brain all the way back up into our right side of our brain, which is all these images collected through a lifetime of education, experience, belief expectation. And so if what comes in our eyes doesn't match, you know, our story on this right side of our brain, it adjusts what we see. And that's why our perception 
to us, it's so real. It it honestly is. And partly why we should really, really be gracious with other people who see things differently, right? Because mm-hmm. they're all a product of their teaching and their experience. But the amazing thing is the on- that none of us really see accurately. The only way to see accurately is to learn to draw. So get with me on this, because even though you're like, no, I can't draw. Wait, that's not my point. Because at some point we want to get to this, this fact that without, we've touched on it earlier, without creative expression, you are prone to depression. So let's just learn new ways to see so that we can create. I'm not trying to make you have to be Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci, but let me tell you about Leonardo da Vinci that you can have in common with him is he always said the secret to his genius, and he is still historically considered the greatest genius that lived. The secret to his genius was his ability to see, to learn how to see. And every genius throughout history has said the same thing. They were visual thinkers. And so when you can think visually, you it's pre-verbal language. It's prophetic. It's, it's foreshadowing. Like it's, that's why they say a picture is worth a thousand words because yes. one symbol, you yes. could spend pages and pages in a book explaining one symbol, but if you just get the visual picture, you've got yes. it. Yes. Yes. And it makes you learn to see more creatively. It makes you unlock your genius through what's called divergent thinking. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times genius level thinking is measured by that. How many creative ways can you solve a problem? And there was a study done once where all the participants, I think 98% of them by their creative thinking were proven to be genius. But do you know what they had in common? They were all five-year-olds. they were five so they tested them again when they were 10 and the genius level dropped significantly and by the time they were adults only two percent were still genius and guess what we say today that only two percent of the population is a genius well guess what we stopped what's the first thing that we cut we shut it down you know we're, we're taught to shut it down Absolutely. Color within the lines, you know, you must use your right hand, not your left hand. Yes. Somehow I survived. I'm still left-handed, but you're right. It was a challenge. And all of those things that that it's just so it's diabolical. I'm convinced it's some cosmic plan to strip humanity of its genius to make us think only reading, writing and arithmetic matter. Well, and memorizing all of that too, right? Which isn't a creative activity at all, but we're all creative. Exactly. We all have the same creative life force, right? Yes. Yes. So anything we can do to, to see, like, I just encourage you as you're looking at anything, pretend you're taking a snapshot of it and really look, what colors are those? Hmm. What's that? What does that look like really? Because most of us try to draw and we draw in symbols, what our left brain would say. Oh, yeah, a tree looks like this. An eyeball looks like this. Uh, you know, come on, come on. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the wrong side of the brain for recognizing space and shape and color and composition. So I love that's why the work you do creates such beauty and cohesiveness for your clients, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. of course. And, and also... Um, you know, when you're, when you can tap into this, even if you aren't artistic, even if you do draw something, I've heard of studies, um, even, um, you know, psychotherapists will use drawing as a, a sort of therapy to find out what people are thinking both in their conscious and their subconscious mind, depending on where you're drawing what on the paper and this is a scientific thing because you with with 
using those creative skills, your right brain is the subconscious. It's the creative center. It's the intuitive center. So, you know, I, I mean, I just, I just wrote a book on intuition. And so I know this is true. It's like by being creative, you have a direct pathway into Mm -hmm. your subconscious and also uh, the divine, your, your intuition. Absolutely. I'm convinced the language of heaven is images as well. So like you're saying, you have that access to really the supernatural to say, what, what do I need to be seeing? What I like, what does this look like from heaven's perspective? What could be a solution? Because we're talking about innovation and answers to deep problems. And you are 100% correct. And you probably didn't realize that after Hurricane Katrina, there was such a shortage of therapists for the children who'd been traumatized that they discovered that giving them paper and paints and letting them express their emotion through those things was more healing than therapy. So creative expression, of course, includes singing and dancing. And I heard one time some Ugandans after genocide kicked out all the the Western therapists that thought they were, you know, yay, we're going to go bring therapy to these poor Ugandans. And they said, we finally had to ask them to leave because we know how to deal with trauma. We come outside, we have a lot of sunlight, we play our drums, and we dance. And these Westerners wanted us to just sit in small rooms with no sunlight and tell all the bad things that happened to them. We had to ask them to leave. (laughs) You're kind of like, maybe we should hire them. Well, and it's a travesty that there's so many programs, art programs and music programs that are being shut down. They get cut. Exactly. That's what gets cut. Yeah. And that's the genius we're cutting really. Exactly. Access to the genius. I mean, look at all the the inventions we've had. Mm -hmm. A lot of times has come from pure intuition and inspiration. Yes. You know, a lot of the inventors were famous for taking naps during the day or sleeping very little during the nighttime so they could take naps. And when they would wake up from their naps, they'd have, they'd have the idea because they're coming out of that subconscious creative state. Right. Yes. So that's a real good um, invitation for the vision boards and all those things that keep our vision of what we really desire in front of us, because then our subconscious can go to work with, hmm, how can we make this happen? What would, what would be a great solution to this? And I just got a book this week. It's a small book, but it's by Winston Churchill because I've always been a fan and I had no idea he was an amazing artist. And he wrote a book called Painting as a Pastime because he says how important it is as high-powered thinkers and decision makers to do something that uses a whole different part of your brain yep. to rest that very busy decision-making part. is yeah. super brilliant. Well, Albert Einstein said that you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Exactly. He was onto something. Exactly. So that's right. And I see that like reflected both in what you said about emotional freedom technique, right? Because you obtain a new perspective. Exactly. Um, and healing whatever that trauma is. Now you can look at something differently in that reticular activation system. Your brain's filter notices something different, a new opportunity that you wouldn't have seen. And then also the other, other side of this that we're talking about is like practicing that creative muscle. Yes. And, and the fascinating thing is like, there is a science to beauty and it, these things that always seem so subjective, you know, but there's certain laws, there's, there's, there's fundamentals and there's no creativity when you don't understand the fundamentals. So like for physical art, they include composition and uh, color and light and value and technique. You know, there's, there's fundamentals. But even things as subjective as love, there's a science to love. So when you feel like, oh, I can't ever recover. I can't love myself. I can't love that person. 
Yes, you can. In all of these cases, our brains are hardwired to keep us safe. And our brains are also hardwired for love and connection. And so there's the science to bonding and to knowing if you're safe with somebody and how to change the dance that you do with each other to make it safe. So all of these things, in fact, you, we could call that collaboration. Like that's my, my final C, you know, a new way to collaborate. We absolutely need community mm-hmm. in, in our culture where we've now become so nose to the phone connected people are lonelier than ever because I think we've lost that true community and connection that our brains are wired for and that, that we long for. So boy. Yeah. And I think it even goes deeper, like almost like an intimacy, like, um, you know, just that longing for a connection because yeah, yeah, you could, maybe you have a group of friends that you get together with, you know, once a week or once a month. But the conversations could still be a little bit on the superficial side. Absolutely. And like, you could still feel just as lonely. Yeah. So it's really having, you know, a a deeper connection with people beyond just like, so what's been going on this week? Like, but being able to have someone to share your challenges with or your emotions or those things that you'd rather keep private. It's got to be the right person, right? Right. Right. Got to feel safe, but. Yeah, I agree. It's like everyone needs a friend like that. Exactly. Oh, we, we do need that. And we're wired for that. So there's no reason to ever feel ashamed. Like, oh, I shouldn't need other people. That's most of your audience. I don't think that's their problem. (laughs) You know, it's, it's that. Well, it can be lonely at the top, right? The loneliest person on the ship is the captain. uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I do think a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs can feel prone to that because the people in their neighborhood don't relate to them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to be able to have real human connection where we're safe and where we can collaborate and, and dream together and make each other better and, and be totally safe. So we say that without mastery of the fundamentals, there's no creativity, but championship coaches have, have made really clear something that we can learn from the sports world into business and creativity. And that is where there's no freedom to fail. There's no, there's no championship. Mm -hmm. And, And also we know that in creativity. Mm-hmm. There's a popular story that was, I don't know if it was first published in this book called Fear in Art, but the story is told of the teacher who came in the classroom and said, okay, this semester to the pottery students, the you'll be in two separate groups. In this group on the left, you are going to only be graded on the quantity of work that you do. So at the end of the work, we'll, the semester will weigh how much you did if you just did the work. If you did 50 pounds of material, you get an A, 40 pounds is a B. In this group over here on this side, you're only going to be graded on one pot, but it has to be perfect. And so through the weeks, it was made very clear that the group that was only supposedly going to be graded on quantity, as they were busily churning out work and learning from their mistakes, they consistently made both the highest quality work as well as the highest quantity. Meanwhile, the the group that had one pot resembles a lot of wannabe professionals because all they had at the end of the semester was all their theory and how things should work (laughs) and what's supposed to work and what might be beautiful. And they had very little to show. And so we have to be safe. You guys, let's Let's just embrace this playfulness about business and a playfulness and childlikeness about life because Jesus said, let the children come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And it's true. There's a childlikeness that, that resonates in that realm of faith and the impossible and, and the beauty that we were created for. So 
It's yeah, I completely agree. And it is like become like a little child, right? Yeah. And that is especially given the statistics that you said about the genius level yes. five-year-olds. Well, yes. and I, I just look at it too. I've seen some experiments like that as well. And it's like, you know, they, who was it? Thomas Edison even said, I found a thousand ways yeah. not to make a light bulb. Know. And then finally, so it's like, would you like to fail at innovation nine times and then finally get it right? Yeah. Or like just copy someone else because you know, they're successful and know that it's not really yours. Right. You know, it's like, I'd rather do the first one, frankly. And yeah. that, and you know, that's where innovation comes from is being able to, Yes. to give yourself permission to fail and maybe not have the right answer the first time. Yes. And combine, it comes, creativity is from combining. Maybe you look at four people's businesses and you say, oh, I love that. I'd like to also include that. People tell me, or you shouldn't do this and this and this, but for me, it makes sense. You know, like for me, am I an artist? Am I a speaker, performance coach? I do all of it. I sell artwork, but I believe that the creative process is a big part of, of doing our best work and overcoming stress for sure. It's been yeah. proven how much we reduce our stress when we're engaged in, in a creative process. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I really want to come back to this yeah. golden nugget you just dropped a, a while back. You said without creative expression, we're prone yeah. to depression. And that is so true. I remember when I was going through one of the hardest times in my life and my husband and in, in my life, um, you know, we were going through seven years of infertility, right. you know, and trying to start a family. And, mm. um, and I was thinking I was depressed because I was Googling right. depression and fertility. And I found a study that said it's similar stress levels to what cancer patients face. And all of a sudden yeah. I was able to give myself more compassion because I was like, oh, this is like a lot more serious because right. I, there's shame there. It's like, I shouldn't be feeling so bad about this, you know, but it is, it's like you're facing death of a family legacy. Right. Yes. And, um, and I remember at one point my husband was like, Christy, you need a hobby. And I wanted to smack him because I was like, I, I'm running a business. <laughs> yeah. When am I going to have time for a hobby? But I took him up on it and I, I dabbled in photography. I got pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, more landscape macro type of photography Yes. and, um, and, and sewing. Like I, I, I stretched my domestic skills. I had never learned sewing ever and yeah. decided I was going to, and I tackled some pretty big projects. But definitely like tapping into that creativity. Yes. Um, and it's interesting because I do think that um that it's all connected. It's yeah. like the fertility issues actually is almost if you look at the physicality of the body, mm -hmm. that's a creative center. Yeah. That I actually did shut down for a while because I was like, I don't want to have kids, right? Yeah. And and I was never really into hobbies, right? Until my husband uh, said this, but yeah. my creativity came through my work with my clients. And so there's definitely something to what you said. That's a definite writer downer. Yeah. So, I mean, please respond like anything else you want to add to that mm -hmm. gem. I would love to hear it. You know, I think it's so important to know that it's not frivolous because that's the thing. It feels so frivolous to just like, there's work to do. How dare you go play around with your paints or what are you writing poetry when we're trying to, you know, do what, whatever it is, it's not frivolous. It is absolutely as, as critical to your success as working out and eating right and getting sleep. You need that opportunity to so like Winston Churchill said, get a hobby that uses a different part of your brain so that you can thrive in, in the highest level. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. And I mean, it, it, if you look at the stats, it seems like our society is just climbing in the depression and the anxiety yeah. categories. And a lot of studies out there attribute it to how we're more digitally connected and you know, the, the Pinterest envy that can happen, the comparison itis that can yeah. happen when you're comparing someone's picture, perfect 
finely cold (laughs) newsfeed to your own life reality. Yeah. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good antidote, uh, to practice creativity and not resist it because you think, oh, I'm not artistic or whatever. You might surprise yourself, right? Yes. Yes. I remember in, when I was living in Germany, I took painting lessons from a guy whose paintings were big, huge abstract pieces. They were about $10,000 a piece. And he says, you know, a lot of times people will look at abstract art and think, I don't get it. I could do that. And he says, I always tell them, <laughs> I said that too. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I always tell them, then you must, because one of two things will happen. Number one, you'll find out that you can't actually make something beautiful because you don't know how to make the laws work for you. Or number two, you'll find out you did and you love it and it changes your life. So do it. If it annoys you that someone else does something, that might be a sign you're supposed to do. Oh, I totally agree. (laughs) Yes. Yes. From a pet peeve all the way to being jealous because someone has a talent, you know, and someone else, it's a clue that you probably have it in your own and yourself. Exactly. Cause I can tell you, girl, I'm not one bit jealous of people that play Olympic basketball or (laughs) things that have no intention of doing. There's a reason why psychology called it a projection, right? And even the reticular activation system that you mentioned before with your brain, you would not be able to recognize it unless you had it inside yourself. Yes. So that's good inspiration, right? Yes. Thinking about the things that you admire in other people Yes. Because really you're, you're starting to shower yourself with compliments. <laughs> yes. That's the, and in fact, if you don't, if you tend to be really critical of other people, which probably your listeners aren't, but even if, if you know someone that's really critical, that probably means they're self-critical. So if you'll start always looking for the best in everybody else, look mm-hmm. for the best and tell yourself, I love the highest and best in all people without even trying, you'll raise your own self-esteem. So that's kind of neat. Instead of having to be doing all your mantras about yourself, I am this and I am powerful and I am, well, I just maybe look at what's great about everyone else from a loving point and you'll become more confident. Totally. Well, it's, um, there's a Native American, I believe it's a Native American story about the two, two wolves you feed. You mm-hmm. heard this? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell it? Well, it totally a- applies. Yeah, the the story is told about the chief who um, has told about two wolves that are always fighting inside of him. There's a dark wolf and there's a white wolf. And somebody asks him, well, chief, which dog is winning this fight? And he says, the dog that I feed. And so it's true. Do we want to feed our negativity and and our lowest, you know, most aggressive uh, ways? Or do we want to feed what's, what's positive and life-giving and, and at the highest level. Yeah, totally agree. Well said. Wow. There's been some really great gems Uh, of wisdom here. And and you mentioned, you did mention the RAS twice, which makes me want to expound on it for your listeners. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Cause your reticular activating system is this part of your brain that actually filters out data that doesn't mean anything to you because otherwise there's just too much data. And so that's the the part of your brain that if maybe you never noticed any red BMWs on the road before, now you buy a red BMW, you're like, hey, how come everyone else bought one? You start to see it because it matters. But that also goes back to what we said earlier about your brain filters what you actually see, which is why when Lewis and Clark showed up in the, in the, country and they had ships on the horizon and this happened with Montezuma as well the local people had only thought of canoes and so when they saw those ships on the water they literally did not see them because they they knew if there if a canoe is all the way out on the horizon and it's that big it would have to be huge so their brains just erased them they didn't see them at all so Perception is reality. So that's why the creative process, anything you're doing that's making you look at things closer and notice color and notice value and notice composition and, and, and 
then that plays into how you communicate and how you play music and how you dance. So, well, it's, it's also training your brain to notice beauty. Exactly. Which is what we were talking about before about noticing qualities that you admire in other people that they have that you wish you had. And you probably do have them. It's just a matter of you claiming them and exercising that muscle that's already within you. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. So yeah. And how important it is to be mindful of our thoughts too, right? Yeah. Because the more negative we are, the more negative we see and and the more positive we are. And I I, probably not the people listening to the show, but there are a lot of people that don't pay attention to their thoughts. That's right. And we think like what, 80,000 thoughts a day or something like something that. Like, and most of them repeat the, from the day before <laughs> and the day before. That's right. why we have to converge, converge up. Yes. We got, goes back to your catcher method. That's yeah. why, you know, noticing them and, um, yeah. you can transform them. Like if you, if you okay. notice you have a pet peeve, take it through the catcher method, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, why don't you, uh, finish this off and tell people, where they can learn more about you sure, and sure. then give us a final thought, a final okay. message for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can always find me at builttowin.com. And for these listeners, I'll even have a special gift for you. It will be uh, my module one from my masterclass of turning panic into prosperity. And so if you'll go to builttowin.com forward slash mind muse, builttowin.com forward slash mind muse. I'll have that video available for you with all the notes and, and you can see me uh, teach that in real time. And that'll be really fun. That's awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so as a final thought, whatever you can think of that is your greatest stress right now, if it causes you panic or or just a stress, (laughs) whatever it is, you would not be facing it if it wasn't designed to make you stronger. Your stress, is, it carries in it everything you need for your next level, for your breakthrough. And it is your invitation. Every frustration is an invitation to come up higher and heal. So instead of running away, let's press in and, and be excited because it means that your breakthrough is just right here calling to you because you're not supposed to be on that level any longer. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.